Support for I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere comes from MX Publishing. With the largest catalog of new Sherlock Holmes books in the world, new novels, biographies, graphic novels, and short story collections about Sherlock Holmes. Find them at mxpublishing.com. And by the Wessex Press, the premier publisher of books about Sherlock Holmes and his world. Find them online at wessexpress.com. And from listeners like you, who support us through Patreon. Bonus material, thank you gifts, and more await at patreon.com slash I Hear of Sherlock. Episode 268, A Study in Sherlock, Watson's Notebook. I hear of Sherlock everywhere since you became a strong In a world where it's always 1895, it's I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere. A podcast for devotees of Mr. Sherlock Holmes, the world's first unofficial consulting detective. I've heard of you before. You're Holmes the meddler. Holmes the busybody. Holmes the Scotland Yard jack in office. (laughs) The game's afoot as we interview authors, editors, creators, and other prominent Sherlockians on various aspects of the great detective in popular culture. As we go to press, sensational developments have been reported. So join your hosts, Scott Monty and Bert Walder, as they talk about what's new in the world of Sherlock Holmes. You couldn't have come at a better time! Well, hello there, and welcome to I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, the first podcast for Sherlock Holmes devotees where it's always 1895. I'm Scott Monty. I'm Bert Wolder. And Bert, uh, you are quite a study yourself. <laughs> a study in myself. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm uh, studying, but you know, I can't pass the exam. That's the problem. No matter how hard I study, uh, I can still only get about a 61 or a 62. Uh, well, you need to steady your study. Yeah, it's true. Well, uh, we have a wonderful conversation coming up with Ray Farney, who's the author of um, what I think is a unique uh, book in the annals of Sherlockian scholarship. There have been others that have approached this kind of thing, but no one has done it to the degree that Ray has. Uh, And it is his book, A Study in Sherlock, Watson's Notebook. It'll be a fascinating conversation to hear how he came up with it and uh, who the intended audience is and uh, what you ought to get out of it, uh, whether you're a new Sherlockian or uh, one of the old guard, like Bert. <laughs> Bye, Cracky. <laughs> Sonny, did you say something? No, I oh, didn't. Good. Go back I to sleep. I didn't think so. Uh, well, uh, speaking of sleep, uh, folks, here is where we tell you you can find the show notes for this episode at iHose.co slash iHose268, all lowercase. That'll take you to the I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere.com website. You can sign up for email updates because we do other uh, updates there other than the show here. We actually have some printed material that comes out on a regular basis. Uh, Things that we happen to find amusing or news of the Sherlockian world, etc. You can find it there on IHearOfSherlock.com. Sign up for those email updates. And also you can support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You too can become part of the Patreon community that is not only responsible for us being able to produce the show and host it and get it out to all of you, but 
Uh, it's also a vibrant community as well. People comment there. We have occasional questions and interactions for our fan base there. As a matter of fact, we're going to have one uh, regarding a poll that you'll want to tune into later in the episode here. So make sure you listen for that. Um, and check that out at patreon.com slash I hear of Sherlock. Since he first appeared in the 1887 Beaton's Christmas Annual in A Study in Scarlet, a great deal has been written about Arthur Conan Doyle's legendary character, Sherlock Holmes. Now, for the first time, Raymond G. Farney offers us a concise case-by-case compendium of these Sherlockian adventures in an easy-to-read format. Ray Farney is a retired business owner who designed and built new residential homes on the New Jersey shore for his career, and since childhood, he's been an avid reader of Sherlock Holmes novels and short stories. Ray Farney, welcome to I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, uh, glad you could be here. So, what, Ted, give us a, a, some background here. How did you first encounter Sherlock Holmes in your life? Well, it's been progressive. Uh, my first acknowledgement of Sherlock Holmes when I was six years old, my parents had bought uh, a, a collection of uh, books, uh, classics, for my older sister. And I was upset that I didn't have one, so she gave me one, and it was Sherlock Holmes. And interestingly enough, 70 years later, I still have that book. And uh, that was my initial introduction. Never read it, never looked at it. And then later on in my years, uh, television, the old Ronald Howard, uh, Sherlock Holmes, and of course, Basil Rathbone. And then into the late 70s, I really started getting into reading the stories when I had when I had discovered that those movies really had nothing to do with the original stories. And, uh, and it was basically how it started. And, and what, um, what did you, do you remember what you read first? Since you didn't read that original book, do you remember what you first read? Or, and did you, did you read through all of the stories? I read through what I read sporadically through them. I read most of the, uh, well, I've read them all, of course, over the time, but in the beginning, I read most, obviously, the short stories. Uh, I have a, I'm a poor reader, and you know, I'm a, a extension, you know, not 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 too, uh, with with uh, having patience. Uh, and I, I think the first one I read was, uh, and my favorite still was the um, Musgrave Rituals. I think mm. that was my first one, and that is my favorite story out of all. It is a good it's, one. That's a fine it's choice. A fine choice. Yeah. Um, I always liked I always liked that myself. You know, particularly for the end, and you find this very wonderful lost crown of the Stuarts. There's this great sort of historical discovery at the end. Yeah, it, Bert, it was, Bert, no spoilers. <laughs> oh, forget I said anything. Yeah, forget I said anything. And my least favorite is the Veiled Lodger. I I don't understand that story being in in the, the canons at all. But that's. Uh, which is my personal opinion. <clears throat> personal opinion. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty commonly accepted as, uh, as we get closer to the end of the canon. In, in the case book, there are a lot of stories there that um, are weaker in nature. So um, I'm, I'm interested in this first book that you had. 
um, you you said you still have it with you. Is it a book yes. that that was designed for children? No, no, it was designed to be in this collection of uh, of classics. You know, like the uh, uh, Treasure Island and things like like that. And uh, my sister, I, I obviously that was her least favorite, so she could let that go. So she just handed that to me, and I accepted it. And it only has a few stories. It has uh, a, a study in Scarlet. Uh, sign of four and I believe uh, I really have never really opened read it or paid any attention to it and uh, the redheaded league I think that's the only things that are, the only stories that are in it well that's a good combo so um, so you you uh, had the book you got introduced really more formally on in uh, through TV you then you read the stories when did you really start getting the Sherlockian bug, as it were. Well, like I like I said, I have I've had I'm a very poor reader. So what I started to do when I started to get into, when I started reading in the canons, I would make notes of important facts of each story, and that's what ultimately led to the book I, that I published, and. Uh, and that's you know I, that's how I really got got into the stories. And I find, to me, each story is two stories in one. And I try to bring that out in my book. Uh, the beginning of each story, mostly that, that's uh, introduced by Watson, tells a story about them, their relationship, you know what's going on, and you know in their environment before you get into the cases. And I started to like, I started just to read the beginnings of the story. So I really got to know the characters, Holmes and Watson. Uh, and that brought more interest to me to, to, to go back and start reading the case part of, the, of each story. That's, that's really interesting. You know, for someone who claims to be uh, a problematic reader, that's, um, you know, you're sense of the cases and their structure and what the beginnings tell you and developing an affection for the characters and getting to know them that way. That, that's really interesting. Do you, have you done something similar with other things you've read where you've sort of made notes and, and thought about how the cases are put together and, and what the characters are doing? Or is this something you've just done for Sherlock Holmes? Well, Literary, uh, nothing else, just this. In life in general, professionally, I kind of make that approach with everything. I, I'm 44, 44, 45 years designing and building houses, and that's kind of how I, I, I approach my business. I just kind of look at it step by step and get to know everything, broad picture, and then go back and, and, and get into detail. I like that analogy because, um, you know, in, in the book, a study in, Scur a study in Sherlock, Watson's notebook, uh, what, you've, what you've done is you've uh, reconstructed all of the stories for us and, and you take us through piece by piece as you, you know, kind of build all of the elements uh, of each story that for the casual reader, even if it's your first time um, with the Sherlock Holmes stories, you really get a good sense as to the layout, as to what you should be looking for, uh, as to what are the component pieces that make up the story. Um, so t talk to us a little bit about how you first approached this project, Ray. 
originally, I, I like I said, I had, I had developed it just for myself. Uh, I've have I have a, a huge uh, three ring binder of everything that I, of each story that I that I typed out myself. Uh, and then there was a time I thought about uh, doing like a newsletter. That's way back when newsletters were you know popular. And I had no intentions of ever publishing it. And and I, to be honest with you, I don't really remember how where the decision to publish it came came about. I guess I got to the point where I I put this three ring binder together, had a specially made, and it was done. And I didn't feel like it was done. I think I, I felt like maybe I should take it further. That's when I decided. That's the only reason why I could I can say that I decided to publish it. It's it's really fascinating because what you've done here we should explain to our listeners is that for each case of Sherlock Holmes Ray has laid out a, a structure an, artic, an architecture an interesting architecture like building houses uh, an architecture a series of categories so for example when you turn to a case you'll see the first thing is the publication and dates you know when it appeared first in the UK and in and in the states, when it was collected, the illustrations, what number uh, it of story that Conan Doyle wrote. This is like the 22nd story. What number, based on a chronology, what number of, of Holmes's cases is it? And then you've reprinted um, the introduction, as you said, which really gives you a sense of the characters. And then there's case information, the date, the duration, the crime, the client, the victim the punishment, the characters, the locations, the evidence, the clues, everything laid out, the timeline, you know, when, when the case starts, day one, day two, day three, um, whether or not there's any mention of the weather, whether or not there's any mention of a payment for Sherlock Holmes, and other categories and quotations. So for folks like us who are looking for a reference to refresh their memory about what's going on in any of these cases. It really is an invaluable collection of data. It must have taken you forever. How many, how many years' work does this represent? Well, when I decided to, first of all, just adding to what you had said, everything except the timeline in that book are directly taken from the stories. I, I, I did not add anything to any of those categories, my own my own opinions or anything like that. There's exact quotes, but uh, once I decided to, what what happened, how to how it came about, I came across one of those old newsletters that I had did, that I had done, thirty forty years earlier, and I liked the idea. There were only single pages, so then I decided I had a lot of time. I don't build houses in the winter time, so I sat down and uh, started to reread the stories and make new notes. And and I once I started. I stayed at it until it was done, and it took about a year. I, I took no breaks. I just stayed right at it until I finished it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm particularly interested in uh, which chronology you selected to come up with the order of the cases. So that's when, for, well, when you've got, you've got the number of Conan Doyle's stories. So, uh, for example, the Rygate Squire, it's Conan Doyle's 21st story, but you say it's Holmes' ninth case. For my investigation, now, that's one thing with Conan Doyle's, with, with the Sherlock Holmes stories, which I'm sure you'll agree, there's a lot to open to interpretation. 
you know. So uh, I've had discussions specifically, and I'm not going to mention names, but other Sherlockians about my timeline. That is what I pulled out of the book. Not necessarily the story itself, but, you know, finding it in other stories where he references it. So uh, when I say that's Holmes's ninth uh, case, that's what I came up with from my investigation or my research. So, well, this is fascinating because we know a number of Sherlockians who are total geeks about chronologies. And I think when we spoke to uh, Vincent Wright, uh, and I'll put a link to the episode of uh, his uh, his conversation with us. Uh, we talked with him about historical Sherlock. He is a chronology geek, and I think he had some two dozen or so chronologies that he was aware of and was working from. And uh, I think based on what you're telling us, Ray, is uh, this is another of those chronologies that should be added to his list. Well, I, I, I can I, I hear, I can understand what you're saying. I've used no, I've, I've, everything that I put in my book, I took directly from the stories. I've, I used, I didn't use any research from, I didn't use any material from anybody, anyone else's research. So it's my own, my own observation and my own research that those numbers come up. Yeah, it's, it's, and that makes it, I think, more valuable. You know, you've made a good point here that all of this is extracted from the text, which is a hallmark of, I think, really good literary criticism and a resource like this. So it's not your interpretation, your view of the weather, your opinion. You know, what does the text tell you? And so just to explain it to our listeners, so here, for example, is the stockbroker's clerk, and um, we have, it's Holmes's 21st case, as, as Ray has uh, pulled it out, and then we get the case information. Well, the date, what, what, what it says in the text, what Watson tells us is morning in June. So what you have here is morning in June, and the duration, you know, it took, it took one day, and then when you get through some of these other categories and get to the timeline, you have, um, I think, you know, you've, you've put it together really well because you've got here in the timeline for this case, early spring timeline, early spring, Hall, Pycroft, and 26 other clerks lose their jobs at Coxon and Woodhouse. Friday evening, one week earlier, Hall Pycroft was visited at his home by Arthur Pinner. Saturday, 1245. Sunday, Monday a.m., Monday noon, Friday. And then the first day, Holmes visits Watson at his home in Paddington on Saturday morning, etc. So what you've done is extracted the facts of the text and put them in this format, which makes it really uh, even more useful. And that's that would help me in my earlier years to understand the story. So that, that's where that comes from, you know, being that detailed. We're going to pause here a moment for a quick word from our sponsor. The Sherlock Holmes Review is back with articles on Sherlockian film and television, classic canonical scholarship, detective stories, illustrators, collecting, and more. In the latest annual, Curtis Armstrong tells how his love of Sherlock Holmes and acting first came together, how he starred in his first radio series, The Baker Street Theater, while he was still in high school, his encounter with Sherlock Holmes, Hugh Laurie and Lynn manuel Miranda, when he featured in the TV series House, 
how Sherlock Holmes crossed into his character in the WB series Supernatural, and his role as Inspector Gregson in the audible drama Moriarty, The Devil's Game. The Sherlock Holmes Review is back, combining great design with great writing, welcoming fans of every age and attitude. Get the latest issue, the 2022 annual, at wessexpress.com today. How frequently do you find yourself going back and referencing your own work here? I, to be honest, I probably pick up, I have one volume uh, that I use for my own re-editing. I've probably re-edited the book three or four times over the last six years that it's been published. Uh, I, a couple times a week, uh, what I like to do, once again, I, I alluded to earlier, I like to read the introductions, uh, well, you know, I, I, just, I really find a lot of, find it interesting just reading the introductions. Uh, some people that I give the friends to that I give the book to as a, as a gift or whatever who aren't Sherlockians, I tell them that the, even though this is a research and a reference book, that's why I published it. it it's it's good just to sit there and read the, read the introductions and get to know the get to, to know the, the characters. Mm. But at least once once or twice a week, I'll sit down and pick it up and go through some things and make some notes. And uh, get a little upset with myself that uh, sh- I should have put put that in, or <laughs> uh, the hallmark of a good author, I think. So, uh, what what I get from this, I mean, certainly it is a uh, a reference book. It is a wonderful resource. It seems to me that it is equally as applicable for the first time reader of the Sherlock Holmes stories as well as the seasoned Sherlockian. Who was your intended audience when you put this together? Myself. But, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of, most of the public really don't know Watson and Holmes because their references, the movies, Basil Rathbone, uh, excellent, excellent, I love them, but it's not Conan Doyle stories. It's, it's, not, it's not the canons. So, uh, when, when you know people, if they have this book, they don't necessarily have to be Sherlockians, but they get to know the true way that uh, Conan Doyle had invented them and 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 brought them to life. I like that. I, I, I like that you're opening up a new avenue uh, to a new audience. Essentially, uh, we, we you know you make a good point that we think we know Holmes and Watson. Um, and they are wonderful characters, and they have been brought to life by so many individuals on the stage and screen. But really, what it takes is going back to the original stories and really digging down and reading between the lines in some cases, and you know, understanding this very um, nuanced and complex relationship that evolved over time between these two individuals. Mm. Yes, it is. It is interesting. Uh, the, the one thing I, I found kind of sadly, and I get, for lack of a better way of putting it, that I found as I started to really get into reading the stories, that Watson didn't really live at Baker Street for that large period, much larger period of time than I would have liked. Uh, I was really surprised about that. When everybody thinks, you know, at least the general public, I think, thinks he was always there. And uh, I, I wish he wouldn't have been, I wish, would, wish he would have been there a lot more for more more stories 
off mm. the top of your head, if you if you have this number at hand, that's great. If not, no worries. But um, how many of the stories, or what percentage of the stories, was Watson living at Baker Street? Well, unfortunately, I do not have that at the top of my head, but I know I have it because I did sit because I have a I have a treasure trove of more information that I uh, from the, you know from going doing this this book. But I do have that number, and I, off the top of my head, I don't, I don't remember what it is. Hey, you yeah. know, that sounds like an interesting opportunity for an addendum volume <laughs> with, uh, you know, some of these facts and figures that you could pull out based on having everything all together under this, uh, this cover. I could put another book together just with facts and figures of other, other uh, titles or other, uh, other, other, other information that I have. It's just that I don't have the energy. I don't know. I just haven't decided to do it. I have it, but uh, I'm satisfied with where I'm at right now. I guess. Yeah. Well, I, keep, I, I do keep. I do keep researching. Now I, I have never stopped doing that. I'm always kind of rechecking and and researching and finding new information. It's it's fascinating. Well, I can imagine you wouldn't have the inclination right away to do another volume because it's been a year's worth of work. It's just extraordinary. You mentioned you've been you you occasionally have given the book to friends, and I can imagine that. Well, I can't really imagine. I guess that's my question. What's what's been the reaction? I mean, do you have do you have people who who say, "Boy, this is really useful. I love Sherlock Holmes too," or do you have people who roll their eyes and say, "Ray, you know, you really need to take a holiday." <laughs> Well, I don't think it's. I don't think either way. Everybody's very, very accepting of it, and appreciative of it. But they look at it from, I think, just the point of view that I have a book published, not so much what what the book is about. I, I don't know. If, uh, I go in their homes and I make sure that the book is still being displayed. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know if they just put it out because they know I'm coming over. But a lot of times I just drop in. But the, uh, but everybody's just very excited that I that I have done this and, uh, that they know someone has a book published also yeah. well they, they should be but that's I like that strategy as an author going to people's houses and seeing if the book <laughs> is still there yeah I think some of our friends who write things you know are going to be taking that as a good tip you know right yeah yeah I like to pop into people's earbuds and make sure they're playing our podcast oh that can you do that I didn't know you could do that <laughs> <laughs> I'm not technical, so I, you know, I can use a computer, but I'm yeah. not very technical. <laughs> but when it, the other the other thing, getting back to the uh, detail of it and it being a reference and research book, when I first published it, I, I'm, I'm this is the second publisher that, uh, that that it's out with. Now the first publisher was not going to mention the name, but they were not very good. But I I realized I came across quite accidentally that. The, uh, there was a number of, of stories in the case book that were still under copyright, and I had them in my book. So uh, I hired a company, a, a husband and wife out of Colorado to help me. They did copyright law and uh, research. And I had to send, and I don't know, I'm sure you noticed, but there's two different people that hold copyrights to the Sherlock Holmes stories, one for the case book and then another one in Paris or France, uh, for the sto- for the movies and the character and things like that, so I had to send them both to cover uh, a, a couple of 
stories for them to research. And the one that I had to get, the, the you, you can see the back of the book, I do have licensing to, to use those stories. Uh, the one that hold the, held the license, came, and both of them came back and said that they considered this a uh, literary, that it was uh, not an adaptation or a story, you know, or, or a, a dramatization, and they felt that it was a plus for the for Sherlock Holmes name. So the one decided that, that I didn't have to give him, you know, have to get involved in anything with licensing. And the other one uh, just charged me, didn't charge me any licensing fee, just charged me the administration fee to get the stamp and all the other thing. And I, I was very proud about that they both uh, considered it uh, uh, that type of work. And, uh, and they sent me nice letters about it. So I'm, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of that. Good. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear because, uh, you know, we've covered, at least in print on our website, uh, the various ups and downs with copyright over the years and the cases that were brought before courts and appeals and all the rest, all the way up to the Supreme Court, as a matter of fact. And um, it, it's really gratifying to hear that uh, you got the blessing that uh, this work, I think, is uh, so... Uh, deserving of it, it's really a, a nice addition this is even if you have an annotated sherlock holmes whether it's the baron gold one or the old uh, the new leslie Klinger one even if you have uh you know the oxford edition this is something unique it's something very different i don't think anyone else has done what you've done ray so you should be proud of it yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, they considered it, uh, the wording they used was scholarly work. I don't know what that means, but uh, so, but they, they were they were very supportive about it, and, uh, and I'm and I'm glad that I discovered it before we got too much further along with with the uh, the publication of it. Yeah, I know there, there's a number of people who have gotten themselves in a jam later on yeah. uh, that uh, that that uh, ended up having to extricate themselves from it. So always good to get that done beforehand. Good, mm. It's a good idea, <laughs> that's for sure. So uh, if people wish to pick up a copy of this, where can they find it? Well, it's online. Basically, uh, Amazon is, is the, of course, the go-to one. Uh, but Barnes & Noble has it. Uh, there's a few others. The prices are all over the, all over the map. Uh, I, don't, I don't understand its, its internet, which I'm not really that versed on. But um, Amazon does stock it in. Uh, they they. They do have it in their inventory. They, if you get it from them, they don't have to get it printed and then send it to you. I don't know what Barnes & Noble, what their procedure is. But, yeah, that's basically uh, where, where it is. I don't get involved with any of that. Uh, my publisher takes care of that. Oh, Smart good decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, a well. friend that, that does that and mails them out himself. I don't know how he does that, but they're a very small book. It's a, it's a very, like a pamphlet book, but he, he buys a hundred of them and then he's, he mails them to people himself. I, well, you you have the book, so you can understand that the process is. Yeah, it's a significant book. It is uh, over six hundred pages long, and uh, chock full of great information about every single story in the Sherlock Holmes canon. It is a study in Sherlock Watson's Notebook by Raymond G. Farney. Run out and get it today, wherever books are sold. Ray, thank you so much for joining us here on I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere. I very much appreciate it. Thank you very much. This is, this is a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs>
good. It's a lot easier than spending a year putting this book together. Everything is downhill now for you. That's right. Everything's downhill. But you guys are great. I very much thank you. Oh, thank you. Fascinating. What a story of spending a year pulling this together. And, you know, I've never thought about it, but I do realize that the cases of Sherlock Holmes, when you get into them and you begin to read all 60 stories, that the way things jumble around, you know, you'll, you'll be reading something in one story and it will, it will strike a chord in your memory. Well, wait a minute. Did, was that before or after something else I've just read? And here, you know, Ray has, has pulled together just an extraordinary, I mean, as you mentioned, it's 600 pages, but it's really valuable. And it's, it's really nice in that he, he didn't put opinions in, it's all just the text. So if you're interested in, in spelunking through the text of the canon, it's just a terrific resource. It really is. And it, it seems odd that we get to this point in the history of Sherlockian scholarship, and we really haven't had anything this uh, detailed before. I mean, there have been, uh, certainly there have been compendium volumes that will give you, you know, a, a quick thumbnail of what's going on, but it's usually no more than a paragraph or a page. Uh, this, you know, you, you've got multiple pages per story and all kinds of details, and um, Really, it's it's almost like a deconstructed good old index uh, of sorts, or mm. a deconstructed co uh, canonical compendium by Steve Clarkson. Mm. Yeah, it is. But you know, Ray's judgment, I think, is very good about the categories that mm. he um, developed. And you know, the problem the problem with those other handbooks that you talk about. You know, one of my first Sherlockian purchases many years ago was the. Sherlock Holmes Companion by Michael and Molly Hardwick. And that's a book that's sort of risen and fallen in my estimation. And it's a small book, but it's a place to go to look at if you want to get a two-sentence summary of a plot, if you want to get... There's, there's, there's a high-level glossary of characters or things like that. You know, it's handy for things like that. But this is... Um, you know, uh, more useful by uh, an order of magnitude. Um, you know, if you're about to do something, if you're about to go to a Scion meeting that's talking about a specific story, if you're about to write a quiz for a particular story, if you're thinking oh, about yeah. an article about something, it's, uh, it's re really remarkable that it exists. Yeah, I like that. The, the idea of using this as a quiz, I, I think we could even use this as a great... Uh, a, a great resource for some of our trifles episodes. Um, you Are know, we the information still doing that podcast. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, we should probably talk to the producers of that show and see if well, uh, it'll return my calls. <laughs> I'm just waiting for vacation time. You know, they they don't seem to give us weeks off at all. No, uh, seven no. years. I would think there should be some kind of employee loyalty program. Yeah, instead of this ball and chain here in the studio, that's really yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> it really scratches the linoleum. Hey, it's all what you make of it. Well, our friends at MX Publishing continue to 
churn out some amazing work. The MX Book of New Sherlock Holmes Stories is now up to part 36. And this set is called However Improbable. And uh, there are 58 new Sherlock Holmes invent- adventures collected in three companion volumes. And remember, the MX Book of New Sherlock Holmes Stories began as a project in 2015. It featured traditional canonical adventures set within the canonical time period. And uh, it's written by many of today's leading authors. And the new volume is continuing on the tradition of the multi-volume sets. In 2017, there was Eliminate the Impossible, two-volume set. In 2019, there was a three-volume set, Whatever Remains Must Be the Truth. And now, of course, we have However Improbable. And in this case, we have tales of Holmes's encounters with seemingly impossible events, ghosts and hauntings and crimes and events that have taken place, but happened. <laughs> they apparently did. 58 stories in three companion volumes. Best new Holmesian and Sherlockian storytelling abounds. Edited by David Markham. Pick up your copy of the latest volume of the MX book of new Sherlock Holmes stories at mxpublishing.com today. That's right, everyone knows this song, and that means it's time for Canonical Couplet, the Sherlockian quiz show where we give you two lines of poetry and ask you to discern which Sherlock Holmes story we are talking about. Now, uh, the last time we were around here, we promised you a prize related to, oh, I think it was related to Legos, if I'm not mistaken. We have a Lego figure here for people, and... We have your choice of a reimagined Sherlock Holmes story by James Macaluso. So, our, our clue for that episode was as follows. Some strange proceedings occupied the night. The colors were distinctly green and white. Hmm. <laughs> hey, Bert. Huh? Do what? You, <laughs> asleep again, I see. You, you talking uh, to me? No. Do you know which Sherlock Holmes story we're talking about? Yes, of course I do. That's a great case. It's uh, the theft of Mrs. Hudson's favorite cookware. That's the story Watson called The Glorious Pot. (laughs) Sorry, Bert. I like the music. That's pretty jolly. I like that a lot. (laughs) That's frolic. Otherwise known as the theme from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. David, yeah. Well, uh, no, no, you were not no. right with that. And, um, well, let's get Eric Deckers to help us out here. Eric mm. is always helpful. He says, uh, I think I've got it, and I won't be put off by the deafening silence that followed my last joke. <laughs> but that was an editing error. Uh, I'm sorry, Eric. Uh, it's the story of the Chrysler brand automobile that was causing food poisoning among everyone who ever drove it. It's the adventure of Listeria Dodge. No, oh, no. I like writes, that. That's great. Listeria Dodge. Uh, Eric says, I, I'd better quit 
while I'm ahead. It's more likely the adventure of Wisteria Lodge. Yes, yes, <laughs> that is good. That's what they called Geraldine Rockefeller Dodge when she wasn't looking. Get, get out of the way. Here comes Wisteria Dodge. <laughs> well, I look, anytime I encounter Listeria, I always dodge it as well. So, yeah. Um, but we had uh, just a handful of entries. I've noticed, maybe it's the summer months, uh, the quiz participation has been dwindling. Um, and I guess what that means, folks, is if you do submit a response, you are among very few people uh, who are getting their names chosen from the revolving drum. So uh, odds are going up. Uh, but let's, uh, well, let's pick the, uh, well, I get the revolving drum, but I also have... Uh, of course, the big prize wheel. Give it a spin. See what it comes down to. And it's stopping on number 17. Canonical 17 steps. Uh, and that looks like it goes to David Rosenbaum. Hooray! David, congratulations. It's been a while since your name has come up, so it's good to see you here again. Uh, just let us know where we should send that Lego material, and uh, we'll be off and running. All right, now it's time for this episode's canonical couplet. Get your pencils ready. Here we go. When noble dukes such doubtful aims pursue... They cause a mercenary point of view. If you know the solution to the canonical couplet, put it in an email addressed to comment at IHearOfSherlock.com with canonical couplet in the subject line. If you are correct and your name is chosen at random, you'll win. Good luck. All right, and we have more material from the IHO's vaults here for everyone, so... Uh, you'll want to um, try your hand at that and see what we come up with for you. Hmm. Yeah, we ought to have like a, a revolving dartboard that we throw darts at for prizes and see what uh, <laughs> what comes up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got my eye on Christopher Morley's cocktail napkins. I can't wait for those to... Uh... Is that what that stain is? <laughs> I think so, yeah. It's your eye on his napkin. Get no. your eye off of there. <laughs> oh, that's... No, actually, it's the ring left by his uh, Swiss family Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, you know, one, once upon a time, we talked about doing a Sherlockian cocktail book. Well, we're still talking about it. I'd rather yeah. talk about it than actually do it. But we're making slow progress. Well, the problem is, uh, every time we talk about it, we're usually drinking. And <laughs> as we as we continue to refine the uh, recipes here, it's slowing down our progress on the book. Yeah. Well, we need a like a planning committee. You know, we could. Well, Charlie Blankstein is a great one too for custom cocktails, and we've got mm. some people within the Sherlockian community who. Uh, who uh, I think will be good contributors uh, with us to uh, this effort. Well, that's a good idea. Maybe uh, something we can throw out to our listeners as well. If you have any ideas for Sherlockian cocktails, uh, we're trying to do one uh, for every story um, or that represents certain elements of uh, the canon, uh, shoot us an email. Let us know what you think. If, if you are a cocktailian yourself, uh, a mixologist, a rum runner, a, um, a, 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 a bartender. I, I'm running out of synonyms here, Bert. 
Um, <laughs> if you enjoy the imbibement of the spirited beverage, if you have, if you have an interest, you know, we, um, so for, you know, for example, um, you know, we've already done some work in this regard. I mean, I've got sort of two things to say here. One is that, um, there had been some in really interesting communications about a restaurant in Chicago that had an enormously detailed and really interesting Sherlockian cocktail list, mm. but completely unconnected with the value of their cocktails. And some of our colleagues, our regular colleagues, traveled to Chicago multiple times to sample these things. Regardless of that, unfortunately, that restaurant is um, no longer operating. Mm. But we had done, the second thing I'd say is we've done some, um, you know, some work ourselves to think about the, the broad category. So, for example, the, the barrel coronet. Well, the barrel coronet, a great cocktail for that would be the Brandy Alexander Holder. Ah, I and, like that. Yeah, and, you know, and we had, uh, for example, there's a cocktail called Bluebird, and that seems really appropriate for the blue uh, carbuncle. So, you know, we haven't been completely idle here. Just well, generally, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. When it when it comes to that, yeah. I'm still a fan of the monkey gland. Yeah, that that uh, I think it involved really? absinthe, and um, obviously it would be for uh, the adventure of this the uh, the creeping man. Yeah. Oh. But anyway, that is uh, that's a long term project. If you have some interest there, drop us a note. Whether you're interested in. Um, partaking of it or uh, uh, helping us to come up with some ideas. We would love to be connected there. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll put a poll out for our Patreon supporters as well, just to get their vibe on this as well. So mm. um, if you are a Patreon supporter, first of all, thank you. Uh, second of all, uh, take a look for that poll that we'll put out in the Patreon community. And of course, if you haven't participated yet, or if you'd like to, for as little as a dollar an episode, you can help uh, us produce the show and participate in this community. It's at patreon.com slash I hear of Sherlock. Well, um, I guess I'm, I'm all spirited out. <laughs> well, considering Conan Doyle's fascination with spiritualism, that is actually somewhat appropriate. There you go. I like that. Well, mm. uh, then in that case, this is the spirited Scott Monty. And I'm the spiritless, I'm the spirit gum, Burt Wolder. <laughs> <laughs> and together we say, the, the game's, game's afoot. <laughs> the, the game's afoot. You know, I'm afraid that in the pleasure of this conversation, I'm neglecting business of importance which awaits me elsewhere. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to join us again for the next episode of I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, the first podcast dedicated to Sherlock Holmes. Goodbye, and good luck, and believe me to be, my dear fellow, very sincerely yours, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes.